Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of Parent Talk, everything parenting and more. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle, mom of two. And I'm, of course, with my co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, Heather. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm Heather, co-host of Parent Talk and also a mom of two. We are looking forward to another chance to learn and grow alongside our children. And of course, that means we have another fantastic guest. Yes. So today we're talking about the juggling mother hangs on during COVID. And we're excited to have with us Dr. Amanda Watson. Dr. Amanda Watson is an author, lecturer in sociology and anthropology at Simon Fraser University in British Columbia, and a mom of two. Hi, Amanda. Hi, nice to be here. We're really lucky to have you with us today. I think today we're talking about a subject that I'm myself juggling a lot of things every day, and I think a lot of moms going to actually see themselves or hear themselves in this podcast. And I'm sure Heather can probably say the same thing also. I think we're too busy mom here, right? Definitely. <laughs> so first question for you, Amanda, today, aren't all mother juggling mothers these days? Or is there something special about the juggling mother in your book? Well, that's a good way to start. I think, yes, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a mother who would not describe her role as a little bit overwhelming at times and filled with lots of balls to keep in the air. And that's because we ask a lot of mothers in terms of organizing family life in our society, right? It's it, it's administrative work. It's it's care work. Um, it's a, You need to be very organized. But the juggling mother that I have researched and that I'm talking about in my book is also a bit of a critique of this subject. It's a critique of the pressure on mothers to kind of perform their role this way and to show that they're doing it all, all the time to be valued and to feel seen and to feel worthy and like worth something. But it's also uh, a bit controversial in that I'm saying that this juggling mother needs to display how busy she is and how talented she is at both paid and unpaid work at this moment in society to be seen as doing the most. So in that sense, it's like a bit different. It's not just that like we're overburdened. It is that critique, but that critique has been made for a few decades and not a lot is changing. So my core curiosity going into this research was like, why, why are we stuck? Why are women now in the workforce? Why are most women in the workforce And also this second shift of unpaid work is still falling disproportionately to women. So what's going on there? What is, what is it about our own conditioning? What messages are we receiving? So my research is on media representations of this juggling overburdened mother. And she's not just busy. She's like burnt out. She's, she's like doing the most you can, you can picture her. She's in Swiffer ads and on magazine covers and she's, you know, in like movies are made about this, this person. Um, but the critique there is that this juggling mother who's doing paid on and unpaid work and keeping it all together never quite drops the ball to the detriment of her family's well-being. So it's an unsustainable ideal that we're, we're struggling toward. And um, if we keep doing that, we're ignoring opportunities to actually like resist some of these pressures. 
Definitely. So what was the most challenging thing about writing a book about motherhood while adjusting to life with two young kids yourself? (laughs) (laughs) This this is a fun uh, little reflection. (laughs) I think think, um, if you had asked me at the time, I probably would have said something like um, carving out the space, carving out the mental space. You know, I think when writing something or working on any kind of creative project, like even, you know, as entrepreneurs, like there are times when you need to just close the door and be with your own thoughts and really get at those like big picture things you're trying to say. And that takes like a self-centeredness. It takes, you know, like a, a kind of focus that I think motherhood doesn't allow, you know, like motherhood is like the doors open, like the bathroom doors open, like you're, you're, you're all often like you need to be accessible because you have this responsibility, especially when you're at home with little kids. And I wasn't for the most part when I was writing, like the kids were little, I had a newborn and, uh, uh, almost two year old, but they had childcare in the daytime once they were one, each of them. And, uh, I had some space to carve out, but I think, um, like looking back, what I think was the most challenging is that I was writing about the kind of tensions that we feel and fight against. And especially if you're in like a heterosexual relationship and you're trying to shift the load um, and you're trying to renegotiate often, like how you're seeing what you're like, the invisible work that you do, the emotional work, the mental load that we're all becoming familiar with. Uh, I was like living that fight on the home front and criticizing it in my work. And so sometimes it was just like too much. Like I was in a mood for a lot of the like the big writing days. Cause I was like, how can I be criticizing this and putting it out in the world in such a confident way and saying like, this is what we have to do. These are the, these are the solidarities we need to form. And this is what I, why I have hope. And um, these are the struggles. And then like, I would return to my own private life and be having these fights like in the kitchen and the bedroom, right? Like the same things that I'm saying um, on the one hand, like I, I could, I felt like I just couldn't live um, the kind of feminist utopian vision that I, I was advocating for because I still live in this world, you know, like, in any kind of individual partnership, we're not just going to be able to critique our way out of the conditioning that we are have all been privy to and, and that we still are um, subject to the real pressures that we face at work and socially. Mm-hmm. That was real tough. It still is. We, <laughs> My partner, like bless his heart, is a good sport because <laughs> we're always renegotiating like based on whatever I'm reading about that day. <laughs> Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you here. Each time I'm reading something, I say to my husband, this is fantastic. We're going to do this like that. And then life comes, right? (laughs) Yeah. And like your own feelings, your own traumas, like it's just messy. Children, feelings, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's so true. So how can mothers who might be overworked resist the pressure in real uh, ways. Um, do you have example of this in um, popular media? Yeah, this is this is something I'm always searching for in my own life because I think we're at this moment where, especially as white women, we realize that we haven't done enough um, in terms of advocating for families on the margins and um, changing the conditions, you know, um, that we're working in and doing our unpaid work in and our paid work in 
So it involves, I think, like a lot of unlearning. And I've been listening to your show for a while now. Like you have expert guests who say things like, you know, there's no silver bullet solution. We have to unlearn these kind of constructs, these way we, ways we think about motherhood. Um, but something that always gives me kind of a boost, especially in COVID, because like we all need a social boost and can't get it, um, is connecting with other moms. And I'm not just saying this to suck up to you guys because you provide such a forum. It's not just that. It's just... I, I would like try to think about, um, you know, policy changes. I can make you a list of a dozen policy changes that would help, um, that would help with gender equity and that would help mothers and families and that would level the playing field for families and for kids in schools, um, like universal and affordable childcare and that kind of thing and um, supports for when you're out of the workforce. But when I connected with other women on this like fight that I was having on the home front, or as my colleague calls it in frontline heterosexualities, <laughs> I felt a little bit more empowered, like one ounce more empowered to like continue that fight, to continue reshaping my own thoughts about my own worth and how I, how I relate to other parents uh, to like sort of take down the competitiveness a little bit, you know, like take down the wall between my family and other families realize that those those feelings about wanting to present a certain way are normal because we live in a society of scarcity, right? Like it's hard to keep up as a family. It's normal that we're all kind of desperate to keep up, but the other families aren't the enemy either. Like we're all doing this. We're all stuck like in this hustle. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that like we need allies and we need solidarity. It's sort of like social organizing 101 um, because I anytime I like returned from a walk with a girlfriend or something I felt renewed in my convictions and that I wasn't alone and that I could handle it like if I have a spirited child and I'm starting to kind of act out my own childhood you know parent child bullshit on my kid like that can feel like the weight of the world and then you go for tea with someone who's like oh yeah like that totally happened and then it's okay. It's like, it's okay. Like that, the weight is lifted. And so I just think that like for all the, the critique I make that's structural, I mean, about the institution, the public institutions and the policies that we should change. I also think that I have hope in the allyship that can be created between mothers in these normal everyday interactions uh, that really have the power to kind of like recondition us toward what we, what we feel is important. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So with COVID-19 changing family life so dramatically for so many families, how are the mothers in particular facing additional pressure to resist coming undone? <laughs> yeah, that, that's real. And, like, and I, I'm like really grateful that we have data now mm -hmm. that, that says that like, I mean, it's no surprise that nobody in this call is surprised that um, mothers are disproportionately feeling stress and anxiety and depression. But I think there was quite a bit of surprise when mothers suddenly left the workforce, when like when women left the workforce um, more than men in the spring. And then the additional shock, I think, came when researchers realized that women weren't returning at the same rates. And so it wasn't just like their industries, but something about needing to shift their labor to take care of the sudden need to be like homeschooling or, you know, like really focusing on that unpaid work in the home. So I think um, that maybe surprised people because we thought we, or we like to think of ourselves as a progressive society that doesn't tie women to that unpaid work in the same way that we used to when 
we expected women to only do unpaid work. And I don't mean only like it's a small job. It's a full-time job to do unpaid, that unpaid motherhood work. Um, but now we expect this additional thing and suddenly the paid work was gone and um, we expect mothers to pivot. So part of like the expectation is that women will like fill the gaps that, that we need them to fill. So I just, um, I think that now we, we can see how much pressure we put on women and how little supports there are. Like it, what, what, would have, what would it have been like had we centered like children and women at the beginning of the pandemic and, and said like, we're gonna take care of your um, income loss and you don't have to quit your job or whatever. You know, like there, it just wasn't women-centered um, because we still have this expectation that, um, that women can do a lot. I, th I was, I'm in shock. Like in, in May, I had like a mental breakdown because my, the daycares closed and I was teaching full time. And I just, I was like, so at what point is someone going to call me and say, you can go on leave again or something like, like, am I going to get a magic phone call? Because how am I supposed to do this? And, and people are still doing that. Yeah. Now my kids are back in daycare in BC, but like, we know people in other provinces and in the U S like that's there, there, that's not the case um, necessarily. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of evidence that, that women are falling apart. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What is your hope for families in the future then? Or um, how do we get there? Oh man. So, so on the like optimism of allyship and connecting with other women, I think part of why that's so hard is because of how busy our nuclear family lives are and because of the way we live them in these like independent houses. I know not everybody does, like some people live communally and they, they live in a co-op situation or whatever, but it's certainly not easy to do that. And that that's the weird thing to do, right? Like the normal thing to do is, is for you to pair up with somebody in a dyad and reproduce and and live in that in that system and of course there are many examples of how that's not the case but that seems to be the expectation so i think if we were being more family friendly if you know if i had to like close my eyes and dream i would i would dream of more opportunities for connections between parents that would probably mean that they're working less so it probably means like shorter work weeks or shorter work days uh, for everybody to everybody's benefit so that there are opportunities to be like chatting at the park, you know, before dinner or whatever, but also that we live a little bit differently. Like I, I think about friends of mine and family that live in Metro Vancouver. Like I have a lot of friends and family here. I grew up here and so did my partner. So, you know, we have a safety net but we don't see each other very often, you know, like life is just on, on its track and, and it's, it's hard to ask for help at the times that you need it when you just need to run and have a shower. You know, I'm not going to call my parents from Coquitlam to come to East Van so that I can just like go for a dog walk by myself and decompress. I, I imagine a world where that is, is easier and where, and, and the, the related thing is that then asking for help doesn't become so difficult and feel like such a, a burden on another person because it's not so disruptive to their already busy schedules. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So what about fathers? What role can we expect them to play in shifting the workload that is disproportionately put on moms? There's some good research out there on ways to incentivize fathers. And we kind of know now that there's been a shift in attitude, like more fathers of the like newest generation of fathers express a desire to spend more time with their children and to have a feminist kind of relationship or like an equitable share of the load. 
even though we know that that attitude has been expressed, uh, the workload isn't shifting. And so there are a few things we can do. We can look at organizational culture, right? Like work culture and the the like pressures that we put on on men in terms of performances of a good worker, right? Like never leave before the boss leaves, you know, like really kind of old school ideas about what a good worker, citizen, breadwinner looks like. That kind of thinking stigmatizes parental leave, you know, taking sick days because your kids are sick. These kinds of things are still done disproportionately by women. And so mothers will still face this kind of motherhood penalty in terms of stigma in workplace culture. So there's, I think there's a long way we can go in workplace culture to both shift responsibility toward dads. Maybe it's responsibility that they're also asking for. So it's about like the workplace culture, not the individual dads. But also, like, it's going to require some willingness to live in tension in your relationships with maybe your partner or if you're a single parent, you know, like your support network, um, because it's going to feel uncomfortable. Like, I think we still live in a patriarchal society, even as we negotiate equitable relationships with each other, there are still uh, roles and values that we might gravitate toward by default based on like the expectations that are, that were set, you know, at such a young age. And there's plenty of research that, that shows that that's still the case. So I think it's like dads get ready. This isn't going to be all exciting. It's going to be awesome when you take leave and um, get respect for doing so and have a better relationship with your kids. And it's also going to be super tense when you have to be the one who goes and picks them up because somebody threw up at daycare and you're going to miss that promotion that, that your wife is used to you that's used like that happens to women all the time and, and it doesn't happen to men as much so it's going to be painful it's exciting and painful I think that's the I think the truth of it like it'll be rewarding but uh they'll something like power has to be given away and that probably doesn't feel very good mm -hmm. it's hard <laughs> sometimes to let go learning to let go it's not something that is easy so I'm hearing here, so to bring a little bit of solution to all those juggling mothers, I'm hearing uh, communication, I'm hearing uh, self-care, go for a walk. Uh, if you can have someone around you, support you, it's great. I know with COVID, this is really hard right now because mm -hmm. yeah, your, your neighbor that usually you would exchange, let's say some time with the kids or your kids will go and visit them. Now it's not happening, right? Yeah. So um, do you have any other tips or tricks or what can we do if we need to take care of herself as juggling mother? Well, I don't know if this is uh, universal and this is just anecdotal. It's not based on my research, but my own brain in COVID has revealed itself to be <laughs> quite a nasty place at times. <laughs> I think, I think because when like the anxiety um, came on, especially at the very beginning and in the fall, and now the kind of like depression of not having our social needs met for so long and like fear of new variants and whatnot is, is like with us. Uh, it has forced a kind of um, what does my brain soup look like to the, to the um, forefront. And so for me, it's like, this is going to sound really basic, but thinking about the, the self-shame that I do as a parent and just as a person and as a, as a worker. And so if I think about, so like a tip is self-compassion, I guess. 
like self-care is really important. I definitely need, you know, that time for myself and to move my body and things like that. Like, you know, getting connected with the things that, that, that work for you and then trying to modify them to fit with COVID. Of course, that's a good strategy. Um, but for me, like, even if I'm doing all those things, right, sometimes it doesn't work. Like sometimes it just like, I'm stuck unless I'm actually like hearing the voice inside and giving it some compassion and saying like, oh, that negative self-talk about how you dropped off the kids this morning has got to go. You were tired and you were stressed and they were giving you the gears and that's why it happened. And let's think about that and let's let it go. Like that shame can't last throughout the day or we're going to come undone even further by dinner. Like we have to um, talk to ourselves with kindness, like the way we would talk to a friend. But I don't mm-hmm. think that's that's the voice of many of us inside if we're if we're brought up in this world. Yeah, our voice can be a little bit harsh sometimes. I like to say sometimes, I, you know, when you have the octopus in the face, like all what you see, it's absolutely nothing. You have the octopus in the face. And <laughs> Never heard that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, you got the octopus in the face and you're walking around with the octopus and you see nothing is stuck in there, right? You need to pull it every single leg at a time. But <laughs> why I'm saying this is sometimes I even like to say it's 15 minutes at a time. You know, when you're tired, the kids was... It was a tantrum after tantrum and it was hard and and then and you get outside and then it rained or your kid vomited on you. And you know, you know, there's some days like this. It's just like, really? Like, seriously, you get at work, your client yells at you, whatever, you know, like 15 minutes at a time and re- reset that 15 minutes and start again. I find for me it works. That's really smart. It's true. That's how small the increments need to be because that is how long it takes for everything to explode. (laughs) Yeah. Take a deep breath for me, like take a really three deep, deep breath. It really relaxes my nervous system. Like everything come down, like, you know, like, you know, three big one for me. I even sometimes I go hide in the bathroom to do this at work and it really works. (laughs) I don't know. Heather. totally guilty. Good tips. Yeah. That's just science. That's totally true. (laughs) This afternoon, I locked myself in the bathroom for five minutes. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's why like people need a a locked bathroom door when you have kids. Like the bathroom door needs a lock. (laughs) Where are you, mommy? I'm in the washroom. Can I come in? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'll be out in a minute. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I think uh, for all of us you mother that are uh, listening to us. And if you hear yourself like, oh my gosh, and you can laugh at what we're saying. So it's probably because you actually can see yourself or, (laughs) and it's okay. It's okay to feel like that, like feeling overwhelmed and just let it go. And just reminding yourself to let it go. And I love what you said, um, Amanda, it's like self-compassion. And I have to, even myself, the first one to actually (laughs) remind myself that, yes. Mm-hmm. Just know that it's too much work too. Like we're, we're asking women to do too much work. So if you feel like it's too much work, that's just because you're in touch with <laughs> what you're doing and what your needs are. Like you're not alone. It's too much. So we're just, we're just surviving. That's, we're just surviving right now. Well, Amanda, we can find you on our panel of expert at parenttalk.ca. Where else can we find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at spin Dr. Watson with the doctor spelled D-R. Um, and you can find my book at ubcpress.ca online or if you're in Vancouver or Metro Vancouver at Massey Books in Chinatown. And I think they still have signed copies. Um, so that's cool. Or you can just call your favorite local bookshop and say that you want to order the book called The Juggling Mother Coming Undone in the Age of Anxiety and they will order it for you. You don't have to pay for shipping. You can go pick it up and support local. 
Oh, that's awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode. Hedda and I would like to thank you, Amanda, for taking the time to be here and bring so much value to all of us parents, helping us be the best parents we can be. Thank you so much. This was a pleasure. So nice to meet you in person. Yes. <laughs> For all our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now on YouTube at Parent Talk TV. Of course, you can always subscribe directly to this podcast or subscribe directly on our YouTube channel, Parent Talks TV, and on our website at parenttalk.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we're inviting you to share it on your social media. As we all know, parenting can be hard. So remember, it's important to laugh, keep learning, cherish your village and be through to yourself. So thank you for listening and have a great week. Bye. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.